You're listening to Pim Talk, the product marketing podcast, brought to you by InRiver. Let's talk about Pim. Yeah. Let's talk about Pim. Let's talk about Pim. Welcome to Pim Talk, the podcast for product marketers, merchandisers, and Pim professionals. And every second Tuesday, we come together to share knowledge, experiences, and challenges to be able to create even better product stories. Maybe you're wondering what Pim is. Pim is a software that is all about managing all product marketing information in one place to create a rich customer experience in all channels and shorten time to market. And if you're new to Pim, check out our first episode, What is Pim? I'm your host, Thomas Schwabari. I'm the creative director at InRiver, and we want to do this podcast for you and with you. So please contact us and tell us what topics you would like us to cover, what guests you would like to have on the show, or maybe you want to contribute in any way. So you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or send a message on Twitter at pimtalkpodcast. In this episode, we're going to focus on the Omnichannel Challenge. And as guests, we have Magnus Bengtsson and Henrik Felt-Jakobsen from Vimo. And Vimo is an InRiver implementation partner and a Magento Global Elite partner. So they are focused on e-commerce and works all around the world, helping companies to succeed with e-commerce and PIM. But now, let's go on to the PIM talk. So today I'm happy to have Henrik Felt-Jakobsen, Head of Strategy and Consulting at Vimo, and also Magnus Bengtsson, Head of PIM at Vimo. So welcome to PIM Talk. Thank you. And also I have my colleague Emil Eriksson, that is Product Manager here at InRiver, but also was Omnichannel Manager at Research Bank previously. And today it's all about Omnichannel. And uh, I would like to start directly here. I mean, we hear all of these buzzwords, omnichannel, multichannel, and so on. So what is omnichannel? And also, what is omnichannel versus multichannel? Henrik, you're an expert on this topic. Yeah, so, so we try to define it in a very easy way. So how we go by it is it's really that, that omni is it's the same thing everywhere, anyhow, from anywhere, with anything at any time, right? So that's, that's our view on it. And, uh, and the thing, the thing that, that, that we try to explain here is basically that the consumers is just expecting everything I see online, I should be able to get into the store. Uh, if I see the inventory, I should be able to buy it and stuff like that. So, but it, everything goes back to just having that same experience. And that also goes into customer service. So when I call the customer service line, I expect you to be able to tell me what is the stock in my local store as, uh, as well go for payments and stuff like that. Okay, so would you say when we talk multi-channel, it doesn't have to be a unified experience. It could be just that we have our messaging and that we sell our products in, in multiple channels or how should we yes, so, so So the multi-channel strategy, which is some that, that still uses that, and I think that especially a lot of retailers is still on that step, is that you just have multiple channels, right? And you try yeah. to integrate those with each other but it might still be different. So you might see that as different pricing, as especially different content uh, across these channels as well. But the purpose of Omni is really trying to integrate all your channels. So whatever touch point I as a customer have with the company, 
I will get the same experience. And just going back to customer service as well. So if I go into the store, that will be the same experience if I call online, uh, sorry, not calling into the customer service desk, right? So everybody should be able to access the same information about the customer, the products, and, and, and so on. Okay. If I as a retailer or if I as a, an e-tailer would like to, um, to implement this, what is the main challenges, would you say, for companies today around this? So the biggest challenges is, is definitely uh, around data. Um, so many companies say, okay, we're just going to deliver the same experience. But then they realize that they are, many retailers is having legacy systems. And because they're coming from a multi-channel world, they might already have e-com, but how they created the information in this system is not consistent on how they created that into the ERP or the POS system. So they will start realizing that that's very different. Uh, another thing is also people. Uh, we have been used to having a culture where we were measuring people on the targets in every store. So it's a matter of creating as much space as possible. And suddenly we want the store personnel to support, you know, that people go online and buy something, right? Uh, which is not whole, the, the whole bonus model doesn't support it. So that's a huge culture gap as well for a lot of these retailers to really get that implemented into the company and educate people on the expectations of the consumers. And I think you can just go, if you go into any store today, it's a very few of them that really understands that concept uh, in full. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, I think it would be good to just go a little bit deeper in those two um, challenges. So first you talked about the technological challenge. So you mentioned legacy systems and so on that you have built for supporting different uh, channels. And what is the most common thing? Is it that you try to, to harmonize these to work together, doing a lot of new integrations or middle layers, or is it replatforming that you need to do and build it from the beginning? What is your experience around that? So the history is, uh, if you look back five years ago, everybody tried to get as much information into the ERP system as possible. You want to have one centralized system. Uh, the trend today is a bit different because people realizing by having that, you're, having, you're, you're building a big monster uh, that will cost you a lot of money to maintain. It's not flexible. It's not, it's not agile. So if you want to add a new sales challenge to it as well, it's going to be very costful. It's going to take you a lot of time. And I think that's the main problem about the legacy systems is that they still, they, they're built around that concept. Another thing about the legacy system is it's really that many of them was not really built to think on multiple sales channels. So when you started entering all your product information into these systems, it was just all the basic information. So if you have that in BAP, right? And if I want to buy something as a customer today, if I walk into a store, the only thing the store personnel need is a barcode to find the product. So how you structured your data in the AP is, 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 uh, is not very structured, uh, actually. So I think that's, that's the main challenges around the, uh, uh, around the systems. Okay, and what systems are we looking at here? You mentioned the ERP, I guess uh, your CRM, your marketing automation software, your e-commerce software, maybe CMS. I guess it's a lot of different systems, support systems and so on, that, that is a part of the whole customer journey uh, and so so what has happened over the years is that people is buying best of breed systems right so if i want to do uh, email marketing i don't do it out of my erp that doesn't make sense right so i'm buying a good email marketing system i might open up e-commerce uh, i might buy a crm system as well but it creates these kind of data silos 
And I think the GDPR issue, um, or not the issue, but the, the whole coming in, have made companies realize that their data quality in general is super bad because they have these data silos internally. Okay. You're mentioning data here. And I mean, data, there are different kinds of data. You, you need your customer data needs to be aligned. Uh, you have everything around pricing and so on. And then you have your marketing uh, material as well that needs to be consistent. And, and one of these best of breed systems uh, is, of course, um, product information management solution. And, uh, and Magnus, where, what would you say? What is the challenges or what should you think about when you implement uh, a PIM system as a part of the supporting systems for the omnichannel experience? Well, mm, normally we enter the project after, after Henrik has finalized, his team has finalized the strategy for the client. Most of the clients then realize that, that uh, product information is crucial for, for success uh, of an omnichannel strategy. And, and uh, the PIM department, the Vima PIM department challenge in, in, in that sense is that most of the clients come from nothing to something, meaning that they don't have any support system whatsoever for, for, for handling product information. Um, so, so even if you have made a huge scope for omnichannel strategy, it doesn't make sense to, to invest money in it and, and design for it if you don't have control of your product information. So basically, my, my, my challenge here is to get the client to have a narrow scope about product information. You can have a huge plan, uh, but you have to divide that plan into several small steps instead because it's a huge challenge for the, for the organization. And, and of course, it's a, normally it's a huge change management also um, when implementing a PIM system. So I would, I would say that's the, the largest uh, challenge we have. Yeah, and when you go into a project, where do you usually find all the data that you need? Where are they spread out in a company? Well, we, we have a very structured discovery process, which always start with we track what we call as-is, as-is situation. And, and that is where we map all, all the sources of existing product information. And that, and that could be several sources. Not, it's not unusual that we have quite a mid-sized company. We have about seven to ten different sources of product information. And it could even be so worse as some information are stored in an InDesign document used for producing a printed catalog. We have examples of, of that as well. But normally, it's, you have some sort of uh, transaction information and the, the, uh, the master of SKU in ERP, of course. And most likely, you have some sort of information in the CMS system or e-commerce platform. And, and of course, a lot of information stored in, in silos like Excel files and, and, and so forth. Yeah. And sometimes uh, clients have tried to build, what you should say, um, some, some master database internally, like an access database or something like that. So it could be multiple sources, yes. Yeah. So we have the technological challenge, but uh, you mentioned also, Henrik, the organizational challenge and the incentives that different people at the companies have in order to measure their sales, their leads, and all of that. So, I mean, it sounds like a big challenge within a company. So, how can you solve that? Or is it something that you also, when, uh, when you talk about strategy and so on, is it something that you talk to uh, with companies that want to do this? So definitely. So that's, I think the overall theme here is just uh, change management, right? Um, 
And that's, def that's definitely a challenge for uh, a lot of the retailers because they don't have the numbers and they don't have the insight and they don't really know if a customer went online to buy something, <clears throat> but they then decided to pick it up in the store, right? Uh, unless if they actually do the, the purchase online, right? Um, but I think it, it's really a matter of, of working a lot about the alignment internally. So that goes back to a lot of things around change management, uh, basically for the employees to understand uh, how consumers are behaving today and try to kill some of those old uh, incentive models that is only looking at what kind of sales is driving out of this store. So I've seen different models. I've seen that every like sale coming within a specific zip code uh, goes to the local store, for example. That, that's a way of doing that. Or if the customer signs up and they select, okay, this is my local store, then everything that is ordered with these kind of customers, that it's getting to that store as well. But what I've found that works the best is actually to have, still have, you know, have supportive uh, indicators basically and, 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 and a, way to, um, a way to show that, that e-commerce is not really hurting the store but helping the stores. And try not to put the store up as a competitor. So sometimes if you look at sales targets and you look at sales lists for uh, retailers, you find that how they, how they build the e-commerce side or the e-commerce store is just because that's their mindset is this is just another store. So we have a 20 store on the list and then we have e-commerce as the 21 store, right? So the store managers open up the system every morning and they're going to see all this. So because there's a, there's a huge competition between the stores, they're going to see that e-commerce is also a competitor as any other store. So what we usually advise is really try to remove that e-commerce store from that list as well, not to show that this is a competitor, but more that this is a supported sales channel. Yeah. Another part of the omnichannel experience is how you manage payments. And uh, Emil, you have some experience uh, within that field. So maybe you could share a little bit around that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, I mean, payments is a part of the, the omnichannel experience, which is quite often overseen. As a customer today, I know, for, I know personally, if, if I go into a store, I expect to have the same payment experience online as offline. But, but looking back over the past years, I'd say that online has been way, way ahead when it comes to payments compared to offline. So for example, in, in the Nordics, one of the preferred payment methods is invoice. Everybody, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of people like to pay by invoice when purchasing online to so get your product home first. If you're happy with it, you pay for it. Uh, otherwise, you send it back, of course. <laughs> when you come to the offline experience, it's still very much credit cards. And I think that that is a really bad aspect when we talk about providing a unified shopping experience. That should be the baseline. We need to provide similar, the same payment methods. So what I worked a lot with before was actually enabling this in physical stores, providing a pay by invoice in the store. Today, I'd say almost every consumer that walks into a physical store has a mobile phone in their hand. Empower them, let them complete the purchasing process in the physical store. Mm. Push the same checkout to them that they use online in their yeah. phone. So um, 
I think I'm the opposite consumer because I want to avoid invoices uh, as much as I can because I'm lousy at paying them. So I get all of these, you know, extra fees and all of that. But I would really want to when I'm in a store and, you know, you also have short of time to be able to not stand in a queue for, for 10 or 15 minutes, but be able to pay uh, with a click with my cell phone. And I guess that's the other end of the unified payment solution that uh, could be as well. After this short break, we're going to talk about five reasons that the retailer would invest in a PIM solution. PIM stands for Product Information Management, and InRiver stands for PIM. Want to learn more about how your organization can benefit from PIM software? We've put together a free white paper where you can learn what you need to know about how your e-commerce platform can benefit from PIM. Go to www.pimtalk.com to download a free guide to help you better understand how PIM can work for you. That's www.pimtalk.com. What is the major reasons that you talk PIM with the retailers? So the first one is that you as a retailer today, you want to create an agile and flexible IT landscape because you have new sales channels coming all the, uh, all the time. And if you're sitting with legacy systems, you don't have that flexibility. So you as a company wants to be very adaptable and choosing the best of breed systems give you that flexibility. And something like just having the PIM makes it easy for you to have a centralized place to, help to hold all your product information. And if you have a new challenge, you hook that up into the PIM system. You might have a centralized or a management system as well. So that gives you that flexibility to roll out new sales channels. And that could, for example, be something like NAP. So if you go into Walmart or Best Buy in, in US at the moment, they emphasize a lot for you to use the app that they have because that will help you both if you're not in the store, but also in the store. And that gives them a lot of information, but they still need all that product information to be catered for in some way from, from a, 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 a central system. And the other thing is the in-store experience. So we see that retailers is, is at the moment investing a lot into the in-store experience because that's where they realize that that's where they need to make a difference, uh, right? So that could be that you want to have uh, access to all the product information uh, inside the POS system. Or if you have somebody that walks up to you uh, in the store and say, hey, I, you don't have this shirt uh, in my size or you don't have this in my color, then sometimes that can actually be a challenge for the store personnel to find the right product. So they end up going online. So why not be able to access that information inside the POS system? And while you're at it, why not find the off-sales products into the same system as well? So that's another reason why you want to centralize that information so that it would be very easy for the store, uh, for the stores to access that information as well. And then we see that the expectation from the consumers today is getting higher and higher. I want to see more information about the product. So the thing that we can see, especially online using heat maps and so on, is that we see images, videos, text, and so on. That's where people are engaging a lot. People are standing in the store and researching a lot about the products that they are want, want to buy. And I have a good example. I, I had to buy a new headset a couple of months ago, and I went online. The first thing I did was going to a price com comparison engine to look up, okay, what are people searching for? What's the most popular product at the moment? I found one in a local retail store. I went there and they didn't have it in stock. So that was actually a bit of a bad experience, even though let's say that they, they, they had it on the website. But the next thing for me is looking, okay, what kind of products did they have in stock? Because I needed the headset. I started looking videos, 
you know, online on YouTube, okay, what is the feedback on this product? So the research phase that we as consumers go through today is much, much longer, which is also the reason why you see people go into the car and want to buy a car. They're mostly more enlightened about the product that they're about to buy than the car salesman that try to sell you the product, right? They know all the small details, you know all the problems, and because you've been reading about it online on forums and whatnot. And the third thing is, is, is being able to go more global. So within the European Union, I think the European Union is, is trying to harmonize the, harmonize the internal market a lot. So in December, we have this new legislation coming up where there will be some more rules in place for you. If you are a citizen within the EU, uh, European Union, you should always be able to purchase a product uh, within the inner market. So you, you as a retailer is not allowed anymore to say, okay, because you're sweet uh, and this is a Danish company, you're not allowed to purchase this product from us. You are, uh, you uh, are, uh, are you should sell it to, to that person. Um, so I think what the European Union is trying to do is just cry, creating a bigger in the market. So we would definitely see more retailers looking into, should we expand across our own borders and using e-commerce as the spearhead for that? But again, that goes back to having a very uh, adaptable ETA, IT landscape, make it easy to translate the products and so on. And of course, the biggest thing, if you look internally, is to drive more efficiency. The retailers today want to be more flexible. They want to sit in the morning and say, we're behind on our numbers. We have five days left of the month. We need to launch a new campaign. But in most cases, setting up a campaign, finding the products and what do we need to change and we need to make a one-pager catalog and stuff like that, that can, that can take days. So when we're talking with retailers about why they want to have a more centralized view of the information, it is a lot about the processes as well. It needs to be faster. We need to be able to execute on what's happening in the market. So that's the main reason why retailers, or we believe that retailers should look into uh, implementing a PIM system. Right. Interesting. Also, if we're talking a bit about the experience you have online with what you have in stores, and we have another scenario I think I heard that just in the U.S. there is more than one million e-commerce stores, and um, it's very hard to be competitive in in that kind of environment. Um, it's not just by buying AdWords or or doing search optimization. You need to find other competitive advantages, and here we see that pure e-tail players are are starting to work with showrooms or or physical stores, and and that kind of things. And then they come from maybe not having that many systems from the beginning, but they have a challenge in creating an experience in the, um, in the physical store. So, uh, Henrik, do you have any thoughts about that? So how I see it today is, is really it's just a matter of meeting the customer in the channel where they're in, right? Um, so I, I've been asked a lot of time, do we believe that retail is going to die? Uh, def- it, it, it will change, of course but it's, it would it will still be there because you will still have customers that have a need i want to look i want to feel the product before i buy it right um so i think that's the that's that's one of the main reasons um that that you see that a lot of the online retailers or e-tailers is is opening up showrooms so it's really to cater for that and and give the people that opportunity it also creates a sense of feeling uh, around to security as well that you able to go in in into a store um and, and, and see and feel the product. Yeah. So I'll make this as an open question so any of you can answer it uh, if you like. Do you have an example or do you have a, an own personal experience of, 
of um, interacting with a company uh, that does this well, that uh, gives you a good experience over various channels. I think there's a lot of retailers that actually does it good today. I, I, I don't believe that there's a lot of retailers that does the full circle yet. But what I can say is that I, I went into a store a couple of months ago to buy a new pair of shoes uh, and, uh, and, and, and they didn't have it in stock. So what they did was just they, they were still able to just do the order in the store and then the web store was just sending me the shoes afterwards. So I got them the day after. And I think that's a perfect example on an omnichannel experience that goes the other way around. Right? Yeah. So we try to cater for that as much as possible and try to build in these kind of scenarios. Another thing, of course, is the bigger, re- the bigger retailers today, they're super good at making sure that if you see something online, you can, you can reserve it or you can pay it and then you can pick it up in store. And I think that's the baseline for most of the experiences today um, to be able to do that. The second level is that it's, it's where you start integrating something like payments, uh, receipts and stuff like that. Uh, so you have a unified account uh, across the company as well. Yeah. And Emil, you mentioned earlier today a quite interesting concept that you could actually go to a store, pick up products that you bought on other stores online. Yeah, exactly. I, I, unfortunately, I couldn't find the article. I can't remember the company, but it, it's a Swedish uh, retailer. That one of their physical stores is actually working as a pickup point for its competitors' online stores. And I mean, it's a brave move, but you have to also think that the retailer is actually getting customers into the store that they might not have had in the store otherwise. Uh, and then you have the opportunity to sell I mean, it must be quite a large investment for smaller uh, e-tailers to, to start up these uh, physical um, yeah, pickup, pickups or, or stores. So there might be some kind of middle ground here. And also we have all of these companies that are delivering, that, that have a big um, like, um, logistic uh, operation like... Um, we have Matem that delivers uh, food and beverage uh, to consumers, and we are seeing that they also have collaborations with o- other companies that that needs to um, deliver quickly, because um, in in the Nordics at least we don't have you know the I don't know how fast Amazon can deliver in US if it's like thirty minutes or or so, but we don't have it here yet. I can I can share on on the opposite side. I can share a bad experience. That enlightens the, the importance of, of uh, things we're talking about, omnichannel strategy. I have a 12-year-old son who plays football, and everyone has kids in that age, you know, their, their, their feet are growing rapidly. So you have to change those football shoes twice or third times a year or something like that. So you need a new football shoes, and we spend just 30 minutes on a, on a uh, on Google, looking for for shoes, and we find just a twenty minutes from from where, where we live. There was a store and found on the e-commerce site, and um, they should have it in, in stock at the store. So we, we left, went to the store, and it was on sale as well, 40, 50 percent, uh, something like that. And when we entered the store, we asked for this um, specific football shoe that was on the e-commerce site. Um, and I should add, it's not a Bimo customer. I don't think it is a River customer either. <laughs> okay, good. It's important to clear that. Still, we, we, we asked um, for the shoe and, um, and, and said we saw it on the website and it was on some sale. 
And the guy in the story said, oh, no, no, it's never, it's, 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 the story is never aligned with the, with the e-commerce site. So the shoe wasn't in the store at all. Hmm. So we had a really bad experience. And we asked me and uh, Matis, my, my son, we just took up uh, mobile phones and were looking in other uh, companies and stores. And we just found a shoe just 10 minutes, uh, 10 minutes away. It wasn't on sale, but it was the right shoe. Yeah. So we left the, left the um, uh, store and went to another store and bought the shoe. So that was a really bad omnichannel experience and which enlightens the importance to have a, a, a real strategy around this. Yeah. I also have a bad experience. I don't know if it's just a bad shopping experience or if it would go under omnichannel. I was looking to new TV and I... I think I started as, you know, a price comparison website. I could see all the specs and so on. And I chose um, one of the, the, uh, the stores that had it. And I saw that it was in stock uh, at a at, um, boutique at the store in, in Malmö. So I went there and it was also on sale. So that was great. So when I came there, they had posters about that it was on sale. Um, but they didn't have uh, that particular TV up on the wall, so I couldn't see it or anything. And I talked to a clerk, and he first he wasn't aware that this was on sale, even if it was on pictures, you know, all over the, the store. And then they only had one, and it was in a box. And, of course, I wanted to see it, uh, so I asked him if he could take it out of the box so I could uh, see it. And he said, no, we don't do that. All right, and it was getting late. They were going to close soon, but I say, but all right. Um, well, if I would buy it and look at it and I don't want it, can I leave it back now? Yes, of course, you can always, you know, leave it back. Okay, so I can buy it and I open it up here in the store and then I give it back. So they were closing, so I didn't do it. But I mean, that's, it was very tempting just to, you know, uh, do it otherwise. So I bought it and, well. It ended well. It serves us good, but it, it was really a bad experience in the store. I think that comes back to one of the challenges as well, that, that the people on the, on the floor today in the stores is, is usually people that is in that store for 10, 15 hours a week, right? And they don't know a lot about the products or they don't know a lot about what's in sales and campaigns and so on. That's why we also see that that's an area with the POS systems is looking at really how can we educate the people on the sales floor a bit better uh, but it comes back to that main challenge as well if the data isn't there it's very hard to give that information yeah. so you see that somebody they stay actually using in some of the store they're using the web to look up the different products and so on and, and which is kind of getting the standard now yeah. um, but a lot of things is going to happen in that area for the next coming years i think that's where pim is going to be super interesting as well because if you suddenly have the point of sale system that needs exactly the same information as you have on e-commerce. You need to get that information somewhere and it's definitely not going to come from the ERP system. Thanks, Thomas. Thomas, I have uh, okay. maybe something you would like to have in the end or okay. potentially put Do so. something in. Uh, I think, we it in. Yeah, I have five reasons why I believe that retailers is looking at PIM as well. I don't know okay. if that's relevant. Yeah, it's... Um, and, and, and why that is. Okay, should I introduce it or, or should yeah, you, if you just... Yeah, okay, what is, the, what is the primarily reasons why we talk PIM with the retailers, basically? Okay, yeah. 
Okay, I think this was all for today. So I want to thank you, Magnus and Henrik from Weimo and also Emil here at In River for participating in this episode of PIM Talk. And I also want to uh, take the opportunity to let you maybe wish for a topic or a guest that we would um, bring into uh, the podcast uh, yeah, later on. Anyone has uh, an idea or a, a wish? I do have one based on, on part of the discussion that we had uh, during the session, and that it could be really interesting to get someone from uh, a new uh, point-of-sales uh, company and see what their input is, how, if they're using PIM, how they see around product information. I was thinking more specifically a company like Kaching, maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, just, that could be interesting to see how they how they work because what they're doing is they're basically putting iPads as the point of sale in, in their sales reps hands in, mm -hmm. in physical stores. Okay. Just had a meeting with them yesterday, actually. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So this has been a very good discussion, I think. So thank you everyone for participating and I'm looking forward to work more together in the future and um, welcome back to PIM talk. We have done research about online shopping behavior and our new research showed that 94% of consumers say that product information is a critical factor in their purchasing decision. And now you can go to the inriver.com website and download the ebook Turning Browsers into Buyers and we're gonna come back to this topic later on in another episode of PIM Talk. Other things that are happening right now we will visit the World of E-Commerce Fair in uh, Amsterdam, Netherlands, November 29th. So welcome to visit that arrangement and visit us. When it comes to the In River Academy, we have some upcoming dates. Uh, we have in Malmö the 14th or 15th of November, business consultant certification. And the same day is also developer cert certification. In Chicago, the 5th and the 6th of December we have business consultant certification and developer certification as well. Thank you for listening. For feedback, tips and questions you can email us at pimtalk at or message us at pimtalkpodcast at twitter. Uh, please, if you like the show, go into iTunes and give us a good review. And um, if you would like to see some behind the scenes material, bloopers and live streams, you can follow PIM Talk on Instagram. And see you again in two weeks. Bye.